Welcome to the Basilea Hollywood Podcast, a community of friends committed to the message and practice of Jesus and His Kingdom. Hi guys, my name is Brady. I don't know all of you, but I'm really glad you're here and I'm looking forward to meeting you. So hang out. Wendy, nice to see you. So if you guys will permit me, I would love it if everyone would close their eyes. You don't have to if it doesn't feel safe, but... And I'm going to read you a story. A dozen riders rode out into the desert on motorbikes. They were on their way to a mystical annual party at 40 degrees latitude and minus 119 degrees longitude, deep in the Black Rock Desert of Nevada. You know it as Burning Man. Half of the riders were already drunk. They'd never been to Burning Man, but prior to the ride, one of the rider's uncles, a Burning Man veteran, said they should leave just before sunset and ride hard to the east, and while on the way, they would see a distinct sign that would guide them to the party's location. Around midnight, as the group summited a steep ridge, a magnificent and powerful display of fireworks shot high into the starry desert night. The extraordinary array of fireworks created distinct shapes of eagles and dragons to the rider's eyes and showed lions stalking on the plains of Africa. There were swimming dolphins and puffins, porcupines and butterflies, all in vivid color, shape, and motion across the wide horizon. The tails of the fireworks fell into the valley below the foothills of the mountain range, and as they grew closer, the riders could see the light from the bonfires in the distance. The location of the party was clear, and several more hours of hard riding would bring them to their destination. But as they revved on in their excitement, the motorbikes started to spit and choke. They spurted and burped and stalled out. The bikes were almost out of fuel, holding only a small reserve, but not enough to make it to the distant rendezvous. The pack came to a halt and pulled off their sweaty helmets in the cold desert night. The headlights of the motorcycles illuminated their foggy breath. Half of the riders began to, re to refill their tanks of the motorbikes with the extra fuel that they had brought along with them. The other half said, hey, give us some of your gas so we can get to the party. We only brought extra, gear, extra beer, but no gas. The prepare rider said, no, there won't be enough for us and for you, too. You should ride to the service station near the trailhead and buy yourself some more fuel. So the group split up, and while those that needed fuel rode to the filling station, the others rode on and on deep into the valley to be greeted by a throng of the wildest partygoers on earth. They celebrated until the dawn broke. When the sun had climbed up into the late morning sky, the other half of the riders finally arrived. They had been guided to the spot by plumes of purple smoke. There were only signs like scattered droppings from the night before. No party, not a single person, simply the ruins of burning men. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. You guys can open your eyes. So at the end of Matthew's gospel, we encounter Jesus sharing three powerful stories. Each have their own point, but they rest within each other. These parables give us a look at our situation before Jesus returns, as well as after Jesus returns and how they are connected. Last week, Bill taught us that the parables of the talents and discussed the idea of holy boldness, 
That is, that knowing God is what will allow you to take risks with what he has entrusted you with. Next week, Troy will teach us the parable of the sheep and the goats, another picture of God's judgment. This week, we are looking at the parable of the ten virgins or the ten maidens. Let me read you the actual parable from the New American Standard Bible, Matthew 25. Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the prudent took the oil and flasks along with their lamps. Now while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight there was a shout, and behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And all the virgins rose and prepared their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, no, there won't be enough for us and you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. Later the other virgins also came, saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day or the hour. Earlier in Matthew's gospel, when Jesus teaches the parable of the soils, he tells his disciples that they have insight into his teaching that no one else does. We are trusting today that because our God is alive and because the Holy Spirit is alive, that he's going to give us some insight into this parable and we're going to have clear understanding beyond what the text says and that the heart of what God is trying to say will be clear and that it won't be uncovered but what I'm trying to say, but that his intent will be clear. In this parable, Jesus is is direct and poignant, but gives a beautiful illustration that lets us know what the point of the story is. He wants us to be wise, like the wise versions, like the wise riders. But he also says, be on the alert, for you don't know the day nor the hour. He's telling this story to folks that are on the inside, not the outside. I say that because in the parable, both parables, the virgins, they knew what they were going to do. The custom that that they were going to go out with their oil and their lamps and light up the night and create a parade to celebrate the new bride and their new groom. And that that celebration would basically initiate this marriage feast that would last for like up to a week. And the riders of the modern parable also knew what they were going to do. Ride all night until you reach the party that will blow your imagination out of your head. And don't be late. (laughs) But the image of a party, of a celebration, the great feast, is used consistently in the Hebrew scripture. And Jesus, as we have seen throughout this gospel, uses it as an illustration for what is to come. Jesus is the king. And he's coming back. And he's going to make things right. And we're going to celebrate that. That's not unlike what Allison was talking about today when she read that section from Revelation. Jesus is the king. He's coming back to make things right. And we're going to celebrate that. So if we're here and we say we are Christians or that we're into Jesus or, you know, I don't know how else people are saying it these days. But it means that we're on the inside. Okay? So just like how the disciples got the inside information, this this is an inside conversation. Okay? This is for folks that are that are, for us as, you know, followers of Jesus. And he's exhorting us to be prepared. 
We have to be prepared. The invitation is there, and the parable makes it clear that we have to participate in order to actually respond to the invitation. We can't be passive. If we believe that all we must do is ask Jesus into our heart and everything will be fine, we have been misinformed. Surrendering to Jesus by the Holy Spirit in that way is the first step. But after we sign up, we got to go to work for God. And I want to be clear about this, that I'm, I'm not saying that you have to work to be saved, or I'm not talking about that. But I'm in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, beforehand that we should walk in them. So I'm talking about the second part of this verse. Okay, these are the good works that God has prepared for us to do. We must be willing to listen and recognize what this parable says. And in all three parables at the end of Matthew, they say that there's a point that Jesus is emphasizing that we have to respond in this particular parable by being prepared. And it's personal responsibility. Even within the community of the ten virgins, even though they were a community, right, and it doesn't say they knew each other, but presumably they knew each other. But even though they were in a community, there was enough oil for some of them. And with the riders, there was enough fuel for some of them, but there wasn't enough for all of them. Some of them prepared and some of them didn't. And there was no way that the preparation of the wise could make up for the lack of preparation of the foolish. So is Jesus saying that half of us are going to miss it? He said five made it, five didn't. Could he be saying that we need to change our minds about how we understand our own responsibility in the kingdom? If we are on the inside and he, that means he's warning us that there are consequences for being passive. And we can see clearly that nothing else that anyone has is going to help us get to the celebration. For example, here at Basilea, we're hosted by Hope at Hollywood. Does everybody know that? We're hosted by Hope Hollywood. It's another church, okay? And Hope is an amazing church, and they do a ton of good work in the neighborhood. They embrace the folks in the neighborhood that are on, on the street. They have a recovery program to help people recover from addiction, and they are responding to God. They understand that they're on the inside and that they're doing what God's asking them to do. By the way, if you want to get involved with Hope at all, hit me up. I'll connect you to someone to drive a van or serve a meal. I'm happy to connect you. However, here at Basilea, even though we share walls and a roof with Hope, though we do not share a parking lot, <laughs> uh, we, sh we share the space, but we can't take credit for the compassion of what they are doing in the neighborhood. We are in partnership and friendship, but in this case, the oil that hope has brought along for the journey is not enough for both of us. 
someone may attend or hang out with us regularly here at Basilea, and we are doing our best to respond to God and what he has prepared for us to do in service to the city. But in the same way, it is important that if someone is here with us, that they are also leaning in with us and not just hanging around. It doesn't work by association. You may have a great friend or family member that is clearly motivated and has pursued the invitation to know God and serve and share his or her life with others. However, Jesus lets us know that you cannot claim the posture of your friend just because you're associated with that person. You can't rest on someone else's laurels. It doesn't work that way. There will not be enough for both of, uh, both of us and you. I guess I think about like if you sat down at the driver's you know, the DMV, you sat down and you just raised your hand and said, hey, my friend knows all the stuff. He can drive. He knows all the, is that cool? Can I, you know, it just doesn't work that way. There's, there's a sense of a personal responsibility and there's a sense of urgency. Jesus says, be on the alert. You don't know the day. You don't know the hour. And so that means we need to respond now to this invitation. And the invitation is to become wise. There are many, many, many beautiful things that you can dive into within the great story of God's kingdom. But I also want you to know that there's a limited amount of time to go for it. If you don't go for it, the opportunities might pass you by. I'm sure we all know somebody that we thought maybe we were in love with. And we're like, eh, I'll I'll probably see. You know what? We, We know a lot of the same people. I'll see her again. That's it. Opportunity gone. No, that's an example. But the point is, this idea that we can just keep delaying to step into what we're being called to, it's not true. The opportunities are going are gonna to pass us by. This could also be about things that God is asking you to change in your life. And I get a lot of pushback from a teacher because I'm always asking people to change. People are like, you know, can't we... We just can't, can it be fine? But the truth is we have to change. We must desire to be transformed by God in the context of our community. It's a desire that God has to put in us, but we have to nurture that desire. And we are responsible to let God work inside of us and transform us and change us and to follow him in our transformation, Right? Our willingness to be changed and the things we do are significant in God's kingdom. I'm going to say that again. Our willingness to change and the things that we do are significant in God's kingdom. The virgins had a role to play in the celebration of the, of the, the bridegroom. There's an old movie. I say old. It's not old to me. But I'm going to say old because who knows? Because I live here. She's young. It's that movie Gladiator. Russell Crowe, so cut, you know? Um, oh, you're not entertained? No. Um, but, you know, he says what we, what we do in life echoes into eternity. What we do in life echoes into eternity. How we participate in what God has put in front of us echoes into the eternity of who we are.
I've got good news for you, though. You're not alone. It's not too late. The trip hasn't happened yet. Burning Man is not until later this year. The wedding is next week. But you've got to start today. You're in community, and here's the beautiful thing about being in community. As we live together, and as we surrender together, and as we work together and support each other, we see something great begin to happen. It's called synergy. Does anyone know what synergy is? Anybody give me a quick definition? Wendy, what you got? It's the idea that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. So if we are all moving toward growing up into Christ, and he, he will quicken the process because we're doing it together, and we learn and grow not just from him but from each other, and we spur each other on and encourage each other. We are encouraged by the growth that we see in one another, and then we want to see more happen. So just in that way, like a snowball, we're going to build momentum. So if Josh is going for it, and Mike's going for it, they're going to encourage each other. Yeah. And we're going to shoot a short movie about that. I also want to be clear that there's room here for you to be broken. This is not a place where you have to be perfect. You don't have to have your shit together before you walk through the door. You don't have to psych yourself up before you get out of your car to let us know that it yeah, actually, everything's fine. It's fine. Fine. But we do invite you, as Jesus did, to move toward his invitation toward wholeness. The wholeness that you pursue in Christ is for you, but because we're in community, you see that it's not only for you. As you start to become more whole, it will create and build momentum for change in others in our community. We want to be greater than the sum of our parts. This is synergy. We want to be able to cultivate a community that has character and has the character of Christ, but generates momentum to move out from our family and into our neighborhood, right? And then out of our neighborhood and into the city at large. It starts here, but we want it to grow out. And it growing out is about all of us saying, I want to participate. And I want to be clear, I'm not saying just participating in Basileia. I'm just talking about participating in Jesus' call in your life. And we are called to do good works. I'm not saying that our salvation depends on us and not God. In fact, Paul tells us to Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who has it, is at work in you, Amen. both to will and to work out his good purposes. And so what that means is that God is at work in us and in the work that we're doing. So God is at work in us and in the work that we're doing. So, okay, Brady, we hear you. We need to do stuff. But how do we stay on track? Uh, has anyone ever been in love in the room? Is anyone in love in the room? Okay. 
And have you ever been on a trip up the coast or back east to Ohio or even, even across town, which could take just as long as going to Ohio? You're on a trip, but you're on a trip to go see the person you love, right? So it's, you know, old story for me is it would be like 1 a.m. And I, I was dating this woman that lived in Santa Monica and I lived in Pasadena and she's like, hey, um, I just got, I just, I'm just got done working. Like, do you wanna, I'm like, yeah, I'll be there and like, I'll be there in five minutes, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I would go the, what, the 210 to the 134 to the two to the five, <laughs> the two to the five to the 110 to the 10, all the way over the 405 down. And I would drive as fast as I could because I wanted to see her. And I just imagine you being in love and you're cranking up your favorite John Mayer CD and you know, and, and you're driving really fast and you get pulled over for speeding. And the cop's like, sir, ma'am, you were, you know, you were going 89 and, and you say, I'm in love. And he goes, calling all available cars. We need to escort across the 10 freeway. And then they bring in these cars and they take you faster to the person you love because you want to be there and you're motivated. If we look back at the virgins in the story, they wanted to be at the party, right? And because they wanted to be at the party, they were motivated to be wise. And they wanted it so much that they were willing to do something to get there and to get there and be prepared. Motivation will, will encourage you to prepare. You know, do you want to be, I just like asked, do you want to be at the party? Do you want to be at Burning Man? And at the same time, if you don't have that focus, it's really going to be hard to prepare. I wouldn't be motivated. If, if, it's, if you're kind of in love, you're like, yeah. What are you doing? Let's, can we just hang out next time you're on my side of town? So your preparation really matters. Just like in this idea of an earthquake. You know, like how they have, like if you go on YouTube, there's a million earthquake kits. It's like a five-gallon bucket. It's like, you know, 20 granola bar, whatever it is. I, I don't know what it is. But you put it all in a bucket, and you put it like up in the closet of your house next to your gallon of water per person per day. Right? And you put it up there, and you're ready. And you think, like, there won't be an earthquake. But... If you're like a parent or the head of a household, your motivation there is that you want to be able to take care of your family. You're motivated by something, and it actually moves you to do something. But you don't know when the earthquake's going to come. And it might seem like a waste of time. So I, I want to give us some practical steps to how to turn up the volume on this idea of preparation. And it was one of the questions is like, okay, so Jesus says to prepare, what does that actually mean? I don't actually know what that means. But I have some ideas. The first thing is follow Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit and be baptized. 
So make a decision to follow Jesus. Make a decision to receive the Holy Spirit. And be baptized. Be baptized in the water. Be baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you want to know what that means, if you're like, wow, I've never thought about being baptized before, let's do it. We'll do it right here. Not today. But we'll do it. And come, come hang out with us. Come worship with us. Go to other communities of people. Worship. Get in God's face. Get real with God. Be true about what's going on with your life with God. Don't give lip service to this time. Don't come here because this is what your culture tells you you're supposed to do on Sunday. Come here because you want to get real with God. Don't go to a community group because it's what your culture tells you you're supposed to do. Go to a community group because you want to get real. Don't let the words of your mother or father that tell you you're supposed to read the Bible be the thing that makes you read the Bible. Read the Bible because you want to get real with God. Take some responsibility for yourself. No one else can be responsible for you in this. And just dive in. Dive in here. Basileia is not a perfect community at all. <laughs> we are growing. We are learning. We are shedding through some actually super gnarly stuff together right now. We're going for it. But dive in with us. Join a home group. Okay, we, we talked about the community groups. Go to one. If you're like, ah, you know, I'm telling you stuff happens there and it's amazing. And you get to know people and you get to meet people that don't look like you and don't talk like you and don't act like you and don't love the same thing you love. And that's important. And that's, again, that's the picture that Allison gave us of the kingdom at the end when, when we're there is like, there's going to be people you don't know there. Okay, so get used to not knowing people. Get comfortable with the fact that reaching out to people is part of this thing. Reach out to your neighbors. Seek forgiveness with your families, with your close relationships. Don't, if you wake up in the middle of the night and, you, and it's just in your head and you just go, Steve, or whatever, like, oh no, like, don't just go back to sleep. That could be the Holy Spirit telling you something about Steve. And if it's about you being reconciled to Steve, reconcile yourself to Steve. Give your stuff away. Give your stuff away to anyone who asks of you. Visit people in the hospitals. Visit people in prison. Be a volunteer somewhere where when you're there, you feel alive. And it gives you joy. I'm not talking about like the Da Vinci Code guy. You know? Another old movie reference. Wow, I'm going deep today, huh? But, but really, 
I'm just saying, go and give, and give in a way that means something. Being a cheerful giver isn't just about money. And as our friend Josiah says, let the call of Jesus mess up your life. It's, it's really interesting. He says, I stand at the door and knock, right? Another revelation passage. He's like, and I'm ready for, I'm ready to come in and like, let's eat together, okay? And that's like, let's put down, you know, I get the picture of like those guys sitting down to eat. I think it was some, you know, and, and it's like they put their guns on the table so they can see them and they eat together. And I'm not saying it's, that the, our relationship with Jesus is at odds, but it's a safe place to sit down and have a meal. Some of you may be contemplating a big move or like a shift in your career or a change that God is calling you to, and I'm saying that preparation for you could be about that. It could be about responding to what God is saying. And if it's in you, some of you, need to preach the gospel. Some of you need to heal the sick. Some of you need to cast out demons, and some of you need to raise the dead. 